0: This is Money Wisdom. Joel Johnson is the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. Let's open up the mailbag, Joel, and see what folks have on their mind for you. We'll start today with Harold, who says, I'm still working and I plan to work for another two years at least. But now I'm old enough to start taking my Social Security without being limited on how much income I earn. Is this a recommended strategy? So, Harold, what you're
1: saying here is that you've already reached your normal retirement age. And for those that don't know, until you reach your normal retirement age, as Social Security defines it, right now it's about 66 and a half, if you earn too much money, over $17,000 a year from working, they're going to take back some of your Social Security. Now, it's not gone forever, you get a credit for it, but uh, again, if you're 64 years old and you make $25,000 a year, um, they're gonna take back some of your Social Security based on that amount you made over 17,000. Once you reach your full retirement age, that doesn't matter anymore. So the question really becomes, in Harold, in your case, it becomes, do you need that money? If you don't need that money, I wouldn't turn on Social Security yet, I would continue to let it build up, I'd continue to work where you're making contributions anyway, and if you don't need the income, why not leave it for later? Now I will say that Social Security needs to be taken into account along with your entire financial portfolio. Many people make the mistake of looking at Social Security in a silo, like that's the only decision they're going to make. And they read these articles that say everybody ought to wait till 70. But if you begin to incorporate Social Security as if it was an asset into your overall portfolio, many times it makes sense to take it earlier so that you can leave other money alone for longer. Very interesting. A lot
0: of different moving parts there that need to fit together. Great example of why you need a customized plan that works for you. Uh, Ray has a question for you, Joel. Ray says... As I have researched different financial licenses and designations, it seems that many of them are similar, but they also have their differences. Is there a particular license or designation that I should be looking for in an advisor?
1: Well, the Certified Financial Planner designation is by far the elite designation of financial advisors that give advice to individuals. Uh, The CFP, as it's called, uh, it trains people not only to be completely well-rounded as far as all the different aspects of uh, estate planning, tax planning, investment planning, income planning, building financial plans, but also it deals specifically with people that are working with individuals. Now there's a chartered financial analyst designation. That's different. That's for the most part people that are managing money, analyzing portfolios behind the scenes that never really deal with the public. They never really deal with you that are listening to me right now. So Certified Financial Planner designation is by far the premier. It doesn't mean it's the only one. There's Chartered Financial Consultant. There's Chartered Life Underwriter. There's Retirement Income Planning Specialists. Um, That is a good designation, but you just want to make sure there's something real behind the designation. There's this one out there called uh, Certified Senior Advisor or something like that that's kind of a joke. Um, In fact, most states have forbidden their financial um, consultants to even use that. In the state. So you got to be careful. CFP is a safe bet, or at least have uh, somebody who has CFPs on their team.
0: The other thing that amuses me on this front, Joel, is the awards that you sometimes get. I read a blog post that some guy had written. I think he's in Chicago. I don't remember what the award was, but essentially he was trying to prove how worthless a lot of the awards are that advisors have on their desk or something. So some of these things you just pay a company to send you a plaque, essentially.
1: Right, Right, yeah. Yeah, the 5-star wealth manager, you're you're buying a plaque. They they send out this mailer to every financial advisor in, you know, in, in New Hampshire or Massachusetts or Connecticut. And uh, you know, if you want to pay $400 for a plaque, you're immediately a 5-star wealth manager. We had we had the, we get audited, um, as every good investment firm does and the regulators came in here and they were joking about about how insignificant this 5-star wealth manager uh, designation was and how when they walk into an office and they see that you know, they, they don't like it. They just don't like it because it doesn't mean anything. So make sure, you know, somebody has an award like top 100 Barons advisors or top um, Wall Street Journal financial advisors or Amazon bestseller or something like that. Those are data-driven awards. Um, but anything like five-star wealth manager uh, is probably not that
0: significant. So this guy in Chicago was trying to prove how meaningless they were. So he'd gotten an award with his dog's name on it. So it was like (laughs) Max Tailwagger was a five-star wealth manager, something like that.
1: Perfect. Yeah,
0: so he keeps it in his office just to show the meaninglessness of them. All right, uh, Katerina is also in the mailbag. She says, my husband is not inclined to do any retirement planning because he says he'll just keep working. Is this mindset okay? I guess I'm worried about what happens if he can't keep working, even if he wants to. Wow.
1: Uh, no, Katerina, the, the mindset is not okay. That's like an athlete saying, I'm going to play ball forever. That just isn't at all the reality. So uh, there might be something else going on behind that answer that your husband is giving. He he might, um, I don't mean to play psychoanalyst here, but maybe I am he might feel like he's inadequate in that area he might be scared of getting taken advantage of by whatever financial advisor he's working with but um the mindset is not okay and you know i think you really need to get in front of somebody that can figure out is that real or maybe put him at ease because obviously he is not going to be able to work forever he's either going to die or be physically unable to work at some point before he dies and you've got to make sure that you're taken care of should you survive him and so uh you ought to be worried um, but you've got you to figure out a way to take some action. And I think what I would do in your instance, Katarina, is um, try to get your husband to talk to somebody that he's comfortable with. If you have a friend in the financial services business, if you feel like you can at least trust somebody, let him have a conversation. You be there, too. And just have a relaxed, comfortable conversation. No investment statements. No notes taken. Just at least start there. But he's got to do something because you may not be okay and he may not be Okay. So we're bringing up a lot of challenges and a lot of opportunities for you to get your retirement planning in order, whether you're already retired or whether you're preparing for retirement. You need our Money Map Retirement Review. What does this mean to you? It means you reduce the fear of running out of money in retirement. It means that you plan better for your kids and grandkids if you have a little extra money and you want to pass that on. It means that based on where bonds and interest rates are right now, you have the right strategy because traditional strategies may not work in the future and you won't have to rethink your retirement income before it's too late. It's all about income, protection of principle, being more conservative, and getting a reasonable rate of return. And we can help you explore ways to do that that you probably will not hear from most financial planners, from most stockbrokers. Call now, we've got room for another seven appointments. Uh, we will sit down with you, no pressure, no obligation, but we'll help you explore a financial plan that could be much better Than the plan that you have right now 1-800-705-1232 call now and set up a time to visit with us 1-800-705-1232 you'll get all those things we talked about before the one page plan the income analysis and the stress test on your portfolio how does that benefit you it removes the fear from your financial plan and you'll have confidence in what lies ahead no pain confidence in what lies ahead. That's our goal for you. Call 1-800-705-1232.
0: Again, that number, 800-705-1232. 800-705-1232. You can call that number or text. If you do text, be sure to leave us your first and last name in that message. And remember, when you come in for your Money Map Retirement Review, you'll get a copy of one of Joel's books, Maybe the money map, maybe forced to retire, whatever you feel fits you the best. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. Plenty more to come. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm a cleverly devised personification of Wall Street. I'm one wild roller coaster ride away from wreaking havoc on your investments. And I love to mess with your emotions. you're not properly diversified, you can bet I'll keep you up all night thinking about me. If you want to keep me off your mind, you really need a trusted advisor who'll look after your best interests. You also need a custom-designed financial plan that'll protect you from market volatility. Otherwise, when I take a plunge, I'll send you scrambling through your filing cabinet hoping you were well prepared. Don't wait for turmoil to hit. Schedule your visit with Joel Johnson and his team at Johnson Brunetti. Call 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. Get your complimentary Money Mat Retirement Review. Call 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. Proverbs says, Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. This is Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. You're listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. It's time to open up the mailbag. By the way, Joel Johnson, a certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. In the mailbag today for you, Joel, we start with Charles who says, I've been very blessed and I probably have more money in my investments than I'll need during my life. Should I start giving away money to my kids and grandkids now so that they don't have to worry as much about estate taxes and probate costs?
1: Uh, You know, that's a great question. Very common question, Charles. In fact, my wife and I are are starting to deal with that area right now, too, that uh, you probably have more money than you need, and what do you do at this point? I love the idea of starting to give some money away to the kids and grandkids. What we've done personally, Wendy and I, is we want to make sure that we're not giving away money in a way that's going to spoil them or take away their incentive to work. Um, But, you know, in my case, putting some money into a trust so that my kids, provided they behave, uh, can take it out in a certain way, shape or form, whether it's monthly checks or so on, once I'm no longer here or earlier than that, if I approve of that. I think it makes a lot more sense. The key is getting it out of your estate, not so much giving it directly to them. You get it out of your estate And then you can decide, you're saying uh, you've been very blessed, so I'm going to assume here you're single, Charles. Maybe you're not, but you can decide what kind of controls you want to put on the way that money is spent. The fundamental piece of your question is if you have everything you need to last for the rest of your life, should you start getting money out of your estate? And the answer to that is yes, absolutely yes. But the techniques you use, whether they're direct gifts or putting money into trust, um, that is a different story, and we can absolutely help you with that. But it's not quite as simple as just giving the money outright to your kids. Because if you have enough, that means chances are their inheritance is going to be pretty good. And you may not want to overgive to them, if there is such a word, during your lifetime.
0: This is from Victoria, who says, I'm thinking about getting married to a gentleman I've been dating for the last two years. The problem, if that's truly a problem, is that he's 12 years older than me. I'm worried about what happens if he's retired and I'm still working.
1: Is this a problem financially? Well, I don't think it's a problem financially. Uh, I'll I'll leave it up to you, Victoria, whether that's going to be a problem with you working and him not working and how you're going to navigate through that. As a married couple, I'm not going to give you marriage advice. Um, But financially, no, it's not a problem. And if you do an income analysis and you figure out that you'll be fine with him being retired and, and you working, I don't see a problem with that at all. The key is to have a good income analysis done, which is sort of a projection based on what's happening today where your income's coming from in the future, how much you have in investments, how long you think you're going to live, factoring in inflation in a sounds like there's a lot of moving parts there, but we make it real simple for you. You get that income analysis, that income projection, then you can decide if financially it makes sense. If it doesn't financially make sense, then you can come up with some strategies. Uh, But we've seen this happen an awful lot. Usually it makes sense, but you want to go into that marriage with a good feel for how you're going to manage your finances and, quite frankly, if you're going to be okay for the rest of your lives when it comes to money.
0: Are we in trouble in that situation if you know, she's married to somebody who is significantly older. He dies and, you know, she's without his social security and maybe a pension for 15 years. She might outlive him. How do we account for that?
1: Well, when we would run our income analysis in this particular case, we would have that simulated. That would be simulated in the income analysis that maybe he dies at age, let's say, 77, and now she's only, what, 65. What happens when that income is lost from that pension or Social Security? Does she have enough to last from for the rest of her life? And also, you know, what investments are there of his that may not go to her? They might go to his kids or his grandkids or a former spouse or something. We have to analyze all of that, crunch those numbers, put it into the income analysis. But obviously, that's something we always have to plan for. Um, Whether the man is older than the woman or not, men tend to die seven years before women. Uh, Wendy is... Um, three years younger than I am, and so there's probably a 10-year spread where she'll live after I'm gone. We've got to make sure she's got the income to do that. Victoria, you need to make sure that you're in a good spot, assuming your husband dies before you do. Betty says, I'm in the middle of a divorce after 30 years of marriage. Do
0: you think I'd be better off to get half of my husband's 401k or half of his pension? I like the idea of having a guaranteed income, but I won't be retiring for another 10 years, So it's not like I need the pension right now. Interesting question. What do you think?
1: Yeah, that is an interesting question. I would actually need to see the pension and I would need to see the 401k to answer this. I mean, both are basically what we call qualified accounts, which means that you won't pay any taxes on the money until you begin to take it out. So whether it's the 401k or the pension, if you take out monthly checks, monthly withdrawals, Um, then you'll only pay taxes as you take the money out. So that's a good thing. But I would really need to see what that pension looks like, what the payout options are, what the yield is as far as payments go. If there's a lump sum expressed in that pension, for instance, if they say the pension's worth $600,000, well, what's the equivalent of that that they're willing to pay out? Is it 6%? Is it 7%? Is it 8%? On an annual basis we need to analyze that the 401k i like because you have more control over that you can stagger and change the monthly checks that you're getting out of that you can leave some behind for your loved ones but boy if you love that monthly income guaranteed for as long as you live the pension may be the way to go the other option you have is you can create your own private pension where you might actually get a better rate through an insurance company than you would with that existing pension. So don't mean to n- to not answer your question here, Betty, but it's important we analyze all of that. Uh, again, pension versus 401k, they're taxed the same way as far as when you take the money out, but you have a lot less control over the pension than you do the
0: 401k. All right. How about Kathy who says, my husband and I argue about money almost every day. Because we just haven't done a great job of planning for retirement, and it's starting to stress both of us out. Is this normal, or do we need some serious help?
1: Well, if you argue every day, I will say that's a little, you know, more intense than normal. Um, but it's not uncommon for couples to disagree. You know, Wendy and I—we come from very different backgrounds. I was talking about it in uh, in a, a book I'm writing right now, where she came from a family very blue collar. Um, very focused on money, very frugal, uh, and kind of looked at people that were successful with a little bit of suspicion. Um, I came a family from a family where my parents were missionaries and then involved in charity work, and they just sort of had a trust that everything was going to be okay. And so there was a different attitude towards money when Wendy and I came into our marriage, and still from time to time that comes up. And so it's not abnormal at all for you to have a different Uh, approach to money than your spouse. The important thing is that you have a plan that both of you can understand, that you can look at. And then sometimes it's a compromise where, you know, maybe with some of the money that's designated in your name, uh, you have some of that on a a track that makes more sense with your values. And then your husband, uh, the money that's in his name, he can invest that in the way that he feels a little more comfortable uh, with. But that's got to be in balance. You don't want to have one person or the other disrupting good, wise investments because they feel so strongly about something. That's where a good financial advisor will come in. And again, I talk about this in my book where, you know, a financial advisor sometimes operates as if they're gently stepping into the area of a psychologist and a marriage counselor and I'm not about to say that's you know what my profession is or what my training is but boy it sure feels like it from time to time and you should leave that appointment with the proper financial advisor feeling very good uh, that person understands you and that you and your spouse um, feel more comfortable understanding each other but then you have a plan and there's always compromise involved this is Steven who says I'll try to keep the details brief
0: Long story short, I'm the executor of my deceased mother's will, and my sister is currently living in mom's house. I don't want to kick her out, but I'm afraid that I'm going to need the money from the sale of the house to help fund my retirement, which starts in three months. I have about $600,000 saved, but the house would bring another $200,000, which would make a huge difference. How do I figure out if I'm okay with what I have or if it's worth kicking my sister out?
1: Well, the kicking my sister out uh, language is a little harsh. So, uh, 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 you know, uh, let's try to figure out how not to kick your sister out. So first of all, you you need a retirement income plan. You need a financial plan to find out if that 600,000 you've saved along with social security and any pension you might get are gonna meet all your retirement needs. Um, I think you're saying that the house would bring you another 200,000. So I'm gonna assume the house is worth 400,000 and your sister would get half and you would get half. Um, you could actually have your sister go and get a mortgage and give you the $200,000 in cash and then she just pays the bank back. So that would be one option. But you really need a financial plan to figure out if you have to force either a sale uh, of that house or having your sister uh, get a mortgage on the house. Uh, you know, your mom's, the, the house is paid off. Uh, you said that earlier. So the house is paid off. So I think that uh, your sister going to get a mortgage if she really wants to stay in that house uh, is probably not a bad idea. And, you know, if you've got 50% equity with $200,000 mortgage on a $400,000 house, it probably wouldn't be too hard to find a bank that'll loan you that
0: $200,000. All right. Last question in the mailbag today is from Grace who says, my dad just died six months ago, and I'm a little worried about my mom, who's in her late 70s and is now in charge of handling the investments for the first time in her life. I don't know much about it myself. What should I tell her to do?
1: Well, what she shouldn't do probably is handle her investments. I'll tell you, my mom and dad are in their 80s and my dad handles all the finances. If my dad passed away before my mom, um, I would do a couple things right away. We already manage their money, so that's all set as far as the managing of their investments and them getting their monthly income. They get a check every month or a deposit every month off their investments. Um, as well as Social Security. But I would set up a bill pay service for my mom. So all the bills to run the household would go to that service. Or maybe even my wife, Wendy, would want to do this. And she just never has to worry about paying the bills and so on. So there's not just the investments, but there's the normal bill paying that happens every month, maybe even home maintenance if they own their own uh, place. But I would not tell your mom to do anything because chances are if she hasn't been doing that before, she's going to have a real tough time. And in later stages of life, let's face it, it, it's kind of hard to learn new things. It might be overwhelming and very stressful for her. So uh, again, find somebody to manage those investments for you and then find a service or figure out if you can just have all her bills Sent to you, and you can take care of the bills. And then, last but not least, there's the typical home maintenance—you know, inside and outside, making sure somebody's there. Maybe a handyman that's available, or a handywoman that's available to uh, to keep the house up. Well,
0: Joel, I think it's important in cases like that for people to be sure that there's actually good, solid, firm foundation in place, especially when you have a big change in life like that. So, if somebody wants to come in and take advantage of the Money Map review process. Give us a brief description of what that looks like and how do we make it happen?
1: Well, all you have to do is make a phone call, and it's real easy. You call the number, you come in, we'll set a time for you to come in and visit with us, And you can even text the number. I'll give it to you in a second. Leave your first and last name. Again, we'll call you back, set up a time for you to come in and give you our Money Map Retirement Review. It consists of three things. One is an income analysis to make sure you're going to be okay. Uh, The second is a investment analysis to make sure you're not taking too much risk or taking amount of risk that is improper for you based on your needs and your feelings about risk and i will tell you ninety percent of the time people come in and they go through a questionnaire and an exercise in some software that we put them through to figure out what their risk level should be and ninety percent of the time their investments are not in line they're taking more risk and we've got to help them reposition some assets in their portfolio or we tell them what to do and they go back and do it on their own that's perfectly fine and then last but not least we create a map for you the map shows you exactly where all your money is where your assets are what you told us was important and if you're on the right track and the map will even show you what direction to go to get on the right track if there are inconsistencies so give us a call one 800 705 If you have $250,000 saved for retirement, we want to help you. 1-800-705-1232. There's no obligation. We've got all kinds of great resources for you, a number of books we can give you when you come in. We want you to leave our office, not only with a good feeling because you know the direction you need to go on, but in addition to that, knowing that when you need our help, we're available to you. You can get to know us a little bit. Don't have to do anything with us right away. We want to get that money map into your hands.
0: Again, 800-705-1232 is the number to call. 800-705-1232. You can call or you can text that number, whichever you prefer. If you're texting, just be sure to include your first and last name. That makes it easier on us getting back in touch with you. 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. This is Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We'll talk with you next week. Same time, same
1: place. Have a great day. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial, LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program.
0: Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.